0: Welcome to Real Estate Investing
1: Unscripted, a podcast from Fund That Flip, where we explore some of the most creative, innovative, and inspiring stories from the real estate investor community. With expert tips and success stories you won't hear anywhere else, you'll come away with inspiration on how to improvise in the unscripted world that is real estate investing so that you can dominate your next real estate deal. Now your host, founder and CEO of Fund That Flip, Matt Rodak.
0: Welcome, everyone, to this episode of Real Estate Investing Unscripted. I'm your host, Matt Rodak, founder and CEO of Fund That Flip. And I am, uh, once again, super excited about our guest today. His name is Mr. Matt Faircloth. He is the owner of the DeRosa Group. Matt is also the author of Raising Private Capital, Building Your Real Estate Empire Using Other People's Money, published by Bigger Pockets. And I'm sure we'll be talking about the book in a bit. But with that, welcome to the show, Matt.
1: Thank you, Matt. Awesome. 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 Thank you to be here. I'm really glad to, uh, to be a guest on the show today.
0: Always, always love having another Matt on the show.
1: Isn't it easy? <laughs> okay, Matt. Hey, Matt. Hey,
0: Matt. Hey, Great. Do you, do you know, I gotta, I gotta get this in there. Do you know what the name, uh, Matthew means? a gift from God gift from God. Yes, that's
1: right. That's what you and I are. Just that's so right. you know, everybody, me and Mr. Rodak are gifts from God to all you people. So be grateful for us. Now everyone
0: knows. <laughs> everyone knows. So, love having you here. Um, we had your wife on a few episodes back and if yes. you're listening, if you haven't checked that out, uh, rewind a few episodes, check that episode out. Another great episode, but, um, would love to. Would love to kind of get your perspective a little bit about, you know, how you guys get started, and maybe just a reminder for everyone of who the who the DeRosa Group is and what y'all are up to down in the Philly-Trenton area.
1: Yeah, man. Um, so the DeRosa Group's been through a lot of iterations. We we were a um, like a, a decent sized property management company. We've been a construction company in a, for a while. Um, and uh, we've, we've gotten in, involved in different facets of real estate. But at the core, we've always done, you know, just provided great housing for people and, and just opportunities in, in, in real estate. I, the mantra for my company is transforming lives through real estate. Because um, I believe that real estate touches a lot of lives, whether that's people that invest with in real estate, whether that's people that that own it, whether that's people that uh, work on it in construction, whether that's people that live in it. Um, our goal as a company our mantra is to make um, people's lives a little bit better through our work in real estate, through what we do. Um, and that entails providing alternative investments for those that want to diversify their portfolio and invest in real estate through passive investments that we offer, um, for those that want to live in really unique spaces that we provide. And, uh, and for those that want to you know, work for and work for an organization, maybe not as an employee, um, but as an affiliate that, that for an organization that has plenty of integrity, um, and that tries to take the high road no matter what. So that's awesome. Uh, how'd you guys?
0: How'd you guys come up with that? Was that something that was kind of a founding principle for the business? Is that something you guys involved? Evolved into? I guess specifically the transforming lives through real estate.
1: We uh, when we first got started, we did a lot of work in Trenton, New Jersey. And Trenton is a emerging urban environment with with um, it's it is a you know an old steel town mm-hmm. uh, that that's rebirthing itself, as many steel towns in our country have done. Um, so our original mantra was revitalizing urban America, um, and it, it was kind of cool sounding, you know. it is. Except for it sounded like we were a not for profit. People were like, yeah. "Hey, you know, let's, what, what do you guys do?" Um, and it wasn't clear what we as a company were up to. And so we decided to change it up and, uh, and really got in tune with what it is we do, like just what, what our core values were. Um, and we had our core values written out and it was what I just said is like, you know, alternative investments and, you know, quality housing and a uh, great, awesome place to work with lots of integrity. Um, everything like that. And it just all really boiled down to, you know, we're in real estate and we want to change people's lives. And so transforming yep. lives to real estate just kind of came out of our mouths one day, you know, awesome. um, when we were just sitting around brainstorming, uh, rebranding the company a bit. So that, that's how that came up. It was about eight years ago that we, that we came up with it. And it's stuck and it's working.
0: I think, I think, I think it is cool how like, don't quote me on the statistic, but I think real estate, like in some form or fashion makes up like, like, like 13 or 17% of the U S GDP, right? When you found it was in. 25, but, 25. But, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it's- a lot.
1: Well, if you factor in all the sales of construction materials, if you yep. factor in all the finance work that's around real estate, and that's around, around commercial and residential, um, real estate just is something you cannot get away from. It, it touches a lot of the economy on a lot of different levels and everything like that. And, and there's so many different ways you can get involved in it. So that, that's why I, I think it's such a powerful you know, space to play in. And, and if you have integrity in it and you want to do the right thing by people, uh, it's a great place you can make a difference too. Totally.
0: Yeah. So, one, one of the things I was hoping to kind of really pick your brain on was, um, a topic that I think one you're familiar with cause you wrote a book on it, but it's something mm-hmm. that is, um, you know especially for people that are getting started or maybe you know scaling their business and that's raising money right yeah. i think it can be both um difficult to do and i think for a lot of a lot of people it's intimidating right it's hard to go ask someone for money i'd love to, i'd love to learn more about your story in terms of how you guys raised capital for your first deal what you learn, you know how's your process evolved you know from your first deal to to where you guys are at now
1: Oh geez, a first deal, uh, first like true first deal was the house I lived in. Was um, was a, it was a um, like a what they call in bigger pockets a house hack, yeah. which I you know if Liz if Liz went here when she was on the show, uh, stop me. But uh, but that I, I bought a three bedroom one bath, lived in one bedroom, and rented out the other two bedrooms to a couple of friends of mine. Um, I was I ended up making sixty dollars a month in profit and lived there for free um, in that. So it was a, it was a phenomenal arrangement and I was able to, you know, really scale up my personal finances at that time. And, and for like a 25, 26 year old being able to live in a property for free with a couple of his buddies living with him was a phenomenal deal. And that truly really turned my head to real estate from there, um, towards the power of real estate. So we, uh, you know, we we never looked back since then, and and so that was our first deal. Our current deal, we're currently putting together capital for a 166 unit apartment complex in Kentucky, and so we've scaled and scaled and grown. That we, we've gotten ourselves into all kinds of cool assets, you know, including office complexes and mixed use buildings, and you know, lots of fix and flips and stuff like that. Uh, which was just by by slow growth, one foot in front of the other uh, type of, uh, type of growth. So, so what's your mentality, right?
0: Cause I think this is a big part of, of raising money is having the right mentality of raising money, right? Like, like I said, I think a lot of people find it difficult to even wrap their heads around, like going to ask people for money. Like maybe, maybe just talk us through about like your mentality and, and how your mentality has shifted over time.
1: Yeah. Oh, geez. Um, okay so when I first got into raising money um, it was like going down on bended knee being like ah, geez, could you please do me a favor and would you believe in me and you know do me a you know just um, hoping that they decide to get in and everything like that um, and uh, and that they uh, you know go out on a limb for me and stuff like that but at the end of the day I have found out that over time that I mean, it's not even like a cocky type of thing but there, there is a, a certain level of understanding that people that invest in you know, what you and I do, they, they need us because they need alternative types of investments to get themselves into. So my, my shift in consciousness has been that it is a symbiotic relationship. I need them just as much as they need me You know, um, yeah, with regards to my, my passive investors. When I need them because I couldn't make my deals happen without them, but they also need um, alternative investments because, uh, as a, because aside from us, the, the, only, the only other thing they have is Wall Street you know, and, and there's no telling what wall street's going to do tomorrow. So
0: it's up 400 points again today after being down. I don't know how many points.
1: Yeah. But what's he going to do tomorrow? Who knows? Right. Yeah. 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 Uh, But I'll tell you what will happen tomorrow is is the loans that you offer will most likely pay their interest. And if they don't, they have collateral, you know, and, and the, the uh, investments that I offer for people that are in apartment complexes or private loans as well, um, will produce because they're involved in sticks and bricks that aren't going to just dissolve and go away. And, um, if you own Microsoft stock and Microsoft goes down to zero, I can promise you, you're not going to go take the CEO's house, you know? Um, but if an investment that you or I get somebody involved in, uh, goes down, they at least have sticks and bricks standing behind their money. So, so um, something tangible there, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. There's nothing tangible in, in, in wall street investments and not to like bad mouth, you know, not to like dog it, um, because I've owned plenty of stocks and made money on stocks, but I don't think that they should be the end all be all only way that people make money, um, for their retirement. I mean, they should have stocks, but, but also have other things too. Yep.
0: Yeah. And I want to pick up one of those things you 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 mentioned there of like the mentality shift of like the person with the money kind of has all of the power or like they're doing you a favor um mm, yeah. and I think I think that's super important right like there's a certain number of people out there, like it's their job to invest money and they need good deals to invest them in, right? Like and this is kind of where I sit now. Like it's my job to like make loans. I, I need people like yourself and other operators to find good projects and, and be good operators. So um, I, I think that's an important thing, especially for people that are trying to get their first deal financed. That mentality of like what you have is a limited quantity, right? You have this property that you're buying right You've got a perspective on how to fix it up and sell it. There's a lot of money right All money's green like there's only one opportunity like that in Kentucky for your one sixty six complex right like mm-hmm. that's the that's the That's the value i think in the relationship is being able to to source the projects and and and, and do them right
1: yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, although there's a lot of people out there on, you know, crowd street and on a lot of the, uh, the online funding sites and stuff like that, you know, it's hard to reach out and actually talk to the, the operator, the syndicator, uh, you know, the, or, you know, the sponsor or whatever you want to call them for the deal or to reach out and talk to you, the owner of the, of the, of the company outputting the loans to work on the street that are vetting those deals, um, and, and I think that there's being able to really do your due diligence on what you're getting yourself into. Um, you know, it's, it's good to have the data there, the human touch um, yeah. that, that for folks to reach out to, to you and talk to you directly about what it is they're getting themselves involved with. Yep. So one last question here on, on raising private capital,
0: how, how have you um, how have you kind of built up your Rolodex and your network of investors and kind of how has that evolved over time and, and what are any kind of tips or tricks you know, you can give those listening in terms of you know building that rolodex, keeping keeping people warm, um, you know, so that you do have the capital uh, firepower there for when you come across good deals.
1: Well, for me, it's it, it. This is this is not the true answer to your question. The answer to your question is how can folks that are listening expand their rolodex and build their audience and stuff like that. But so the way that I did it is by uh, I, I did a you I did a YouTube channel. And I did regular posts on the YouTube channel, but the real answer to your question is by doing things consistently. You know, um, and so picking a thing that that is something that that folks can can track and can see what you're up to, and by flying a flag somehow, uh, and then doing it regularly. Uh, before we brought before we got on, you and I talked about Joe Fairless um, or other folks that are out there that are big names in the business, and what their secret sauce is just repeatability. They've done it over and they. they they, they pick a play and they just run that play over and over and over and over and over, and over again to use a football term, you know? Um, and a lot of times in football, when you see a team do that, if a play works, keep doing it. And so um, I think that the answer is for those that are listening to find a thing that you're good at doing that, that helps get your name out there with regards to what you're up to in business. Be that writing articles, be that Facebooking, be that a podcast, um, be that running a meetup, whatever it is. Um, that thing that allows people to notice you um, in a modest way, not, not you know, bragging or any, any of that, but just finding a way to get yourself into the public eye on a regular basis. And you know, with, with a little bit of humility and a little bit of just you know, the, the, the sincereness to just educate people and help them out, um, the money tends to just follow. I mean, we do a lot of education on a YouTube page, and it's not intended to raise investors, but it does. Um, and that's because we just go out and educate people on with integrity on our YouTube channel and talk about what we're learning in the business and um, you know, just talk in the field about what's going on in our company and uh, deals that we're in the middle of. And people tend to just see the authenticity there and they see what we're up to and they see we're for real. We're not just some talking head that's, on, that's online talking about real estate Actually doing it, they just see that and look. Okay, these guys seem to like to how they act together. Let me check them out. So yep. that's been that's the very long answer to your question. But I think it's just really repeatability is the answer. It's
0: so true. And there's a there's a saying in the in the venture world. And I guess it, it probably applies to anyone that's raising money. Is that investors don't invest in dots; they invest in lines. So it's like yeah. if you think about like if you come to people and say like I need money, that's like a dot. But if there's ten dots before that of like your YouTube channel or your regular you know monthly email update or a podcast or Mm -hmm. whatever it is, right? They've got a bunch of different dots that that they they can now connect that forms a line um, as opposed to just like here I am, like give me some money, (laughs) right? So like totally the consistency thing I think is right on. Um,
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. And that, and I think that's the, um, because the, 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 alternative to being consistent about something is trying a bunch of different things and being willy nilly and trying this, trying that, trying this, trying that. And I, believe me, I've done that. You know, <laughs> um, I, I can't say that, that, that everything that I've ever done in my business has always worked. I've tried going in a lot of different directions at once. And I can tell you firsthand that does not work.
0: So. Yeah, it doesn't hurt to it doesn't hurt to experiment, but at some point you got to commit to something, right? And then give it a yeah. give, give it a give it a full go. Mm-hmm. Cool. So appreciate sharing that. So the the theme of the show is real estate investing unscripted, right? With the idea being, no matter how much you plan, no matter no matter how much experience you have, um, you know, no matter how much you have you have penciled out all of the details of potential project. Stuff just happens. Stuff goes wrong. You know, there's, there's um, anything can happen. I guess in this space, right? And if you're going to succeed, you got to be be able to to improvise a bit. So, would love to hear a story, and I'm sure you've got plenty of them. But would love to hear a story um, from your perspective of of where that happened to you. Kind of, what did you guys learn? How did you get through it? And um, you know, how is it impacting your your business and your thinking going forward?
1: Yeah. Um, So, hmm. Uh, you know, it, it, I love it's, when people
0: uh, start to laugh because I just know a good one's coming.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, before we got on, you talked about uh, about about a uh, about a, an area of our business. I mean, I could go here if you want, but an area of our business where we expected things to go a certain way, and then we kind of got our knees taken out, and then um, and we you know kind of rebuilt and rebuilt uh, from there. Uh, is that is that we'll is that where you want to go? We'll hear it. Yep. <laughs> so okay, we were, and, and this is actually this is perfect. Because this this involves you know in some ways Matt Rodak putting on his cape and you know uh, swooping in and saving us a bit right, um, but uh, or at least through an introduction. So what happened was we were raising capital for an apartment complex in North Carolina. And uh, we were raising 3.2 million, um, and we had a uh, another apartment complex in Philadelphia that we had sold. We were selling; it was under contract to sell. And um, our goal was to sell that apartment complex. It's somewhat complicated, but you know it, it'll it'll make sense when I explain it. We were going to sell that apartment complex in Philly, do a 1031 exchange to take some of the proceeds from that and invest it in North Carolina through something called a tenant in common. Because in a 1031 exchange, you have to you know, the the prior entity that's selling its its asset has to own the actual dirt you can't just sell a property and then invest as a limited partner in a, in a larger company right yep. Um so we had to you know actually carve out a chunk of the of, of the pro the new property um, you know through a tenant in common it means the, the new the two companies would own the new company would own the new asset side by side with uh, with each other right yep. um, sounds complicated but trust me it was going to work um, so the sale of the property in Philadelphia was going to kick in $700,000. We were going to raise another 2.5 million out of our network. And, and, you know, it was going to be a big stretch for us, but I was pretty sure I could do it. And I was able to raise the 2.5 pretty quickly. And then, um, that was going to, that was, that purchase was closing January 15th. Okay. Um, we closed on the apartment complex in Philly about a month or two before that, you know, mid-November. Um, and, uh, you know, 700,000 went to the 1031 exchange custodian that I had vetted online. Um, I had spoke to the folks that work there. They seemed like a great company. Um, you know, they, they had some good reviews on bigger pockets and everything like that. So, um, was very happy with them. And so I gave them the, you know, wired them the, the 700 grand and then went back to raising capital for my apartment complex. I, st- I, um, fast forward to, you know, late December you know, a couple of weeks before closing, um, and uh, you know, I, I call the 1031 company. I can't get a hold of anybody, and I start to do a little bit of you know, a little bit of worrying, and I start to Google and stuff like that. And it turns out, uh, you know, long story short, that that company was uh, a, was a front, and the owner was running a Ponzi scheme. And so he was taking people's 1031 exchange money, um, buying himself real estate assets and and burning through a lot of it and just, you know, just blowing it. Um, And, uh, and, and was, and then just, you know, robbing Peter to pay Paul. So some, so a new party would give him money and then he would pay back the old party that was looking for their capital. And so he just was, you know, kind of running a, um, running a Ponzi scheme. And it just so happened that the carousel came to a, alt when I, as I had given him my capital. Um, and so my 700 grand was gone and I was, uh, you know, kind of left holding the bag and had to find a way to, to come up with the rest of the capital to go into this new apartment complex with about two weeks left. Um, it had been, this would have been, of course, none of it would have been okay, but this would have been less of an issue had this all been my money, but I had raised investors that invested in that ac- apartment complex in Philadelphia. So that 700 grand, a lot of that money was not mine. A lot of that money was, was my investor's money through the limited partnership that we had raised, um, to, to create that, you know, to, to buy into that apartment complex in Philadelphia. You with me so far? <laughs> with
0: you so far. So sold the property, gave it to a custodian, which by the way, their main job is to safeguard the money, right? Which is why they're called a custodian.
1: Yeah, they didn't do that.
0: And they didn't yeah. do that. Uh, you yeah. so you're out 700 grand, which, which They're you on doing, face math, there. Yeah. doing the math, right? So now you're, you're 700 grand short on a two, $2.5 million purchase or, or, and
1: I'm two weeks out from closing.
0: You're two weeks out. Okay. So what happens?
1: So what happens was, you know, a, a lot of tears and a lot of prayer and a lot of like, geez, what do we do? Um, but it hit me pretty quickly what I needed to do. The, um, the, the new company, uh, the, um, my share of the new asset was 30%. Along with my team, okay, um, the seven hundred thousand was going to buy eighteen percent of the um, of the new of the of the new asset. So what I decided to do was like, okay, I'm going to give um, those investors uh, of the seven hundred grand. I was going I'm going to give them eighteen percent of my side. So I pretty much gave away the major like. I ended up with a few, like literally a few percent ownership of the of the new asset, um, because I I just covered them. I had to give them something, and so I gave them my equity. I could have easily just called them up and said, "Hey guys, listen, we got robbed. We're gonna find so we're gonna find this guy. We're gonna run him down. We're gonna get it back. Don't you worry." Um, and, uh, and and then sit tight, and I'll get back to you. Okay. Um, but I decided I talked to a few of my friends and this was not something I wanted to do. As I said before, we try and do things with integrity. So I put my investors first. Um, just, it just seemed like the right thing to do from, from the get go. And I told a few of my friends what I was going to do. And they're like, you're crazy. You should just, you know, you, you can't go give your work away to them. But I was like, you know what? I have to, because these folks invested their hard earned capital with me. And it's what I needed to do, um, to get the, to, just to, just to make sure they were made whole. Uh, yep. because they put their they put their faith in me. I need to cover them, you know, because sure. you know, it just I had to do it. Well so, I, think other,
0: I think the other thing there, right? Not not a good job but like that's that's the long term thinking, right? Like the short term thinking is like let me keep my thirty percent and these guys kind of get screwed and it sucks and they probably never Well,
1: did. we formed a class yeah. action. So listen, we're going after this guy. I formed sure. a class sure. action with a bunch of other investors. And so when he has a bunch of assets, we will get our money back from this guy, but it'll take Probably eighteen to twenty four months to get our money back, yeah, so um, and it's a long, arduous process and a long road to get there, but you know we will uh, we will get them, we will get to the finish line and get our money back um, from this guy. but i don't want those investors to have no collateral, uh, while we're working on getting that money back. So I gave them my, my side of the apartment complex in North Carolina. Um, so that's the first move as I got my people covered, you know, I, I a you know, some people, (laughs) I, when when I'm, when I'm talking shorthand, I, when I talk about my investors, I call them my people. So, (laughs) (laughs) So those are my people. And so I got my people covered. Um, and, uh, when, um, the the other side of it is, okay, now I've got to go raise another 700 grand to get to closing. And so I, I just dove, dove back into my network, shook it as hard as I could, was able to come up with another couple hundred thousand in, um, in investors. And then I needed a bridge loan. And so I called you And, um, yeah, you, uh, you have referred me to someone who, uh, was a great bridge capital provider, um, in that, and it's just great to know good people that are willing to do whatever they can to take care of you, you being one of them, um, and everything like that. And I really, uh, I, I really, I have not forgotten that referral that you gave us and, um, Uh, who, who covered us. I mean, again, you know, he got paid very well for taking the risk that he did on such short notice. Um, don't get me wrong and and everything. So he he wasn't just, you know, doing us a favor. He also uh, did very well in that transaction as well as he should. Um, and, um, and that, and that's, and we were able to close. And so I didn't even have to move closing after getting 700,000 taken out from under us. And, um, and uh, and that. So I, I talk more about this story in my book, Raising Private Capital, because uh, it wasn't easy to do. But I talked about it because I, I just needed to caution investors uh, or caution folks that are putting deals together that you cannot put yourself first. For most times, you are not. You will not be the first priority in these conversations. Your investors will be the first pri- the first priority. But if you take care of them, then you get to do more deals, and they'll take care of you.
0: It, it's exactly okay. right. I think that 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 story also proves that out right cuz i got i get to I get the call from you right and i'm happy to make an introduction to someone in my network it's not a type of loan that we make here at fund that flip but i'm not comfortable making that introduction to someone in my network if it's not a guy that i trust and knows going to do the right thing by the guy i'm going to make the introduction to right so like it's totally a a virtuous cycle of if you if you're doing the right things and people see and know that you're doing the right things that you get more opportunities, you get more looks, but just someone else that I didn't know that well, like that, that introduction probably doesn't get made. Right. I mean, so.
1: Yeah. No. Well, it, it uh, again, I, I love, I, I, haven't thought about that way, but about, and I talk about playing the long game, yep. um, in, it's just in, in business, it's just good to play the long game. So it's rare. You rarely burn a bridge. Um, you know, you, you kiss and make up if you get sideways with somebody, you know, um, and everything like that, because it's just that the long game is about realizing that this is a bit, everything in life, most things in life are marathons. Uh, yep. very few things in life, um, are short lived. Yep. Um, uh, and then, so it, it uh, and, and things do come back around. So, um, I like to say, I, I think I now think
0: in 10 year increments with like business relationships, Yeah, this wasn't the case when I was younger, right? I was like, what can this person do for me today? And if like yep. that was nothing, like it was kind of like move on. Yep. Um, I mean, you and I have known each other for what, three and a half, four years now. I don't think we've actually done a deal together yet. Like,
1: no, we've not. I was going to
0: add that in. I'm not worried about, worried about, about, but I'm not worried worried about it.
1: About it I know we will. <laughs> we will. Yeah. But, but you and I also refer each other to good people. Yep. And I find that, and this goes to... Um, you know, a lot of folks are out there that like just good people, know good people. And so whether you do business with them or not, I mean, just good people tend to watch other people that are out there. You watch other people's actions from afar. Uh, and that, and I, and I watch people that are playing the short game and I see them and I see people that are playing the long game. Um, and those that are playing the long game are those that I choose to align with, you know, over and over and over again.
0: Totally. Could not agree with you more. Yeah. Well, that's a crazy story. I hope it works out for you. I guess it will
1: will because you can't, uh, if if you do, if you do people like that, you cannot hide out forever. And, um, he does have assets. They will get them from him. Um, and if they don't, if they don't get everything back, it's okay. Cause my investors are still covered and I get to shake it off, which I did after some time, I, you know, I mean, there was some, it was a heavy wound to lick, but I did. Um, and my investors are covered. And so I get to live another day and, and raise for another deal without having that scar on me that, uh, that I, that I lost investors capital. No, they were covered. The yep. investors were fine. I'm the one that, that got punched in the gut. They're not, they didn't. Let's you know? see another day. That's
0: the, uh, that's the that's it, right? Because you can always figure out a way to make that money back over time mm-hmm. as long as you're yep. still alive. Yep. Well, appreciate you sharing that. One, one of the things I'd love to, to pick your brain a little bit about. So, you wrote this book on raising private capital. Where can, where can people get the book? Is it on bigger pockets, I'm assuming? Is it on Amazon?
1: It is. Well, so yes and yes. The, the best right. place to get it is on biggerpockets.com because we put together a really great bonus package for those that buy it on bigger pockets, including like an hour and a half interview with my SEC attorney, um, a really cool workbook. I wrote another book on buying apartment buildings that they get a copy of as well. Um, in that. But you can buy it, you know, you might cheaper on Amazon, but there's more value on bigger pockets, but either way, or they can just go to my website, derosagroup.com. And there is a link to buy the book there as well, which I believe goes to the bigger pockets version of it with the bonuses.
0: Cool. So, check out the book, guys. Talk us through a little bit about um, what it was like to write a book. I'm super curious. Like, how'd you come up with the idea? Um, oh man! You, if know. you ever
1: decide to do it? Give me a call first. But uh <laughs> it's, 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 it was it? was it? What was the process like? You know, I'd never dealt with writer's block before, Matt. I've always just, I've always dealt, um, just being able to just move, like do what I want to do when I want to do it. You know, it's 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 whether that's, you know, I'm going to get up and have breakfast, so I will do that. I'm going to call that potential contact. I'm going to do that. I'm going to, you know, write an email. But to sit down and say, okay, I'm going to write a book. You know, yeah. Um, or I'm even going to write a chapter or a page of my book or whatever it is um the, the experience of wanting to do something but then not having the inspiration yet um is is it, i had to get used to that feeling and and um there's a book by Stephen Pressfield called there's two, two of them uh one called going pro which is a phenomenal book and the other one's called the war of art which is a phenomenal book as well um and steven talks about something called resistance which is the resistance to creativity And, um, what he talks about in the book is what I experienced in writing, uh, was that you've got to be willing to wait it out. You know, Mm -hmm. that, that, that those that succeed in creating things like a book or like a piece of art or whatever, are those that are willing to stay in and engage and understand that the writer's block, the resistance, the, the desire to not create um, eventually it goes away. And then if you just, if you, if you allow yourself, cause there's many times where I tried to write, I would sit on my desk for like a half an hour. I was like, you know, screw this. Nothing's coming out. I'm not writing. And what I found is if I sat on my desk for around 45 minutes and just try, just kept trying to do it and kept writing things ah, this is crap. Let me delete this or whatever it is. After around 45 minutes, the, the, the like the true divine inspiration would hit me. Mm. Um, and then you get in the zone and there's the, the, the being in the zone of writing is, is a beautiful thing because you just kind of lose track of time and you get into it and you start like, I'm gonna talk about this. I'm gonna talk about this. This is great. And then before you know it, you've written 10 pages and you, you realize that half an hour is gone and you've written 10 pages and it's like really, it's really cool content. So, um, it's way more time-consuming than you think it is. Um, it's it's a fun process. It's not something I enjoyed the entire time. I'll probably do it again. Um, <laughs> You know now that I know how to do it, now that I know that I have to wait it out sometimes yep. it, it, it'll, it'll be there but uh, but yeah, all in all it, it's phenomenal but nowhere near nowhere near as easy as I thought it was going to be <laughs> I,
0: I just look at this and all the words and like I stress out about writing like emails so like this this I can't imagine going through this process but I'm sure it's incredibly a Rewarding once you—it's
1: something it. like—it's like eighty thousand words that book, Matt, yeah. and, and, I, and I know because Bigger Pockets had a threshold they needed us to get to word wise, and I'm like, can't we just make the font bigger? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like yeah, like, yeah, um, like the college, college essays, like right, like <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it's got to be three pages, I, right? Okay, well, twenty-four inch font, we'll do right, it. You know, get it there. <laughs> there. Um,
0: No, it's a great book. Check it out. Matt was kind enough to send it to me. Um, I think pre-publication. So I got an early look and read at it. And as someone who's raised personally uh, and for the company, hundreds of millions of dollars, like there's some great nuggets in here. So whether you're, uh, you know, just getting started trying to figure out how to get your first deal funded and off the ground or whether you're uh, a grizzled experienced vet, um, highly recommend checking out the book. So very cool stuff, Matt. Um, really appreciate you joining us. If, um, if anybody listening wants to get a hold of you to kind of learn more about either investing with you or pick your brain, what's the best uh, what's the best place they can find you?
1: Sure, Derosagroup.com, D E R O S A, G R O U P dot com is where they can hear more about what we're up to. They can pick up the book and they can um, they can, you know, deep dive, check out everything that we're doing as a company
0: awesome DerosaGroup.com. check it out guys um, I try to summarize some of the salient points that I, I pulled out of the show I think I think kind of the, the first thing if you're raising money the the mindset's important right realize what you have is is at least of equal value to the the money side of the equation um, the other big one is consistency investors invest in lines not dots so whether it's a YouTube show or email or making phone calls on a weekly, monthly basis, build some consistency around your pipeline for capital. Um, and, and I liked another word I wrote down here that you you mentioned, which is authenticity. Um, I think raising capital, and I, I, I do some teaching here in New York for startups, and I, I like to say raising capital is a, an incredibly personal thing. Um, mm-hmm. And if you're not authentic about it, like investors can feel that. And they don't yeah, write man. checks, <laughs> right? It's like, you got to be real. And what works for some people may not work for you. You got to find, I think your groove and be authentic with it and, um, find the types of investors
1: that are, are. Alive. Yeah. Do- dogs and bees are not the only ones that can smell fear. You yeah. know? Um, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, it, it just showed and not just fear, but slime too, uh, shows up on, you know, it shows up a lot. It's a lot more transparent than you think it is. So
0: it's got to be real. Um, be real yeah. with yourself, and I think I think you guys nailed that right with your your value prop and and your values um, that you've been living for eight years. So I think that's probably. Thank you. If I had to had to guess, it's probably core to even how you guys go out and raise money. And that kind of goes is. into the last point. You know, put put the you got to put think about putting investors think first, think long term, have integrity. You know, short term losses, in my experience, um, oftentimes turn into long term wins if you play them mm-hmm. right. So.
1: I find that if you look at life in a, in a more, in the most macroscopic perspective that you can, you can start to see the perfection of life and that even the downturns and stuff like that and the, and the parts where you got socked in the gut, if you extrapolate it out enough and look at how that part where you got socked in the gut uh, allowed you to look at life differently and cause you to lick your wounds and then recreate yourself and then do this and do this and do this, that it actually, things tend to work out if you give them enough time, you yep. know? Um, and they tend to work out for the best if you give them enough time. It's how you
0: grow, right? Through the, through the, through the challenges. Yeah, yeah. So. Matt, this is awesome. Really appreciate your time. Thanks so much Thank for, uh, for joining us. Um, Thank on you. this episode of Real Estate Investing Unscripted. Uh, for those of you that are listening, be sure to check out the thederosagroup.com, get Matt's book. Um, also check out com. We've got a lot of good stuff, including uh, this podcast and others. Um, otherwise, look forward to having you all back uh, listening to the next show. Your host, Matt Rodak, signing off.